Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 24, and today we're talking about books released on October 20th, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hello. Hello. It's fall. It is fall. It's beautiful. I went on an adventure last week. You did? By last week, I mean since we're recording this the day before <laughs> the books come out. Yes. Yes, it was very exciting. I drove to uh, Rhinebeck, New York to visit Oblong Books and Music. They have the most adorable little store. Oh, that sounds great. You will not be shocked to learn that I bought a lot of books. <laughs> like <laughs> I just two kept or three. Adding, like 16. I just kept <laughs> adding them to the pile. And they were like, are you sure you need this many? Because they know me. They're like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're oh, like, absolutely. oh, that's not even a week's worth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I need all of these. I need all these. But the drive was gorgeous. Gorgeous. I was like driving and I was like, I love you, New England. You're so pretty. I'm never going <laughs> to yeah. leave you. And then I got to New York, like on the Taconic, and I was like, Oh, I want to live here. <laughs> Forget you, New England. Yeah, it was beautiful. It's a yeah, great just, store. I highly recommend going. We're just getting into leaf peeping season here, so I'm going to be doing some hiking later this week and maybe making a swing through Waynesboro, Virginia, that has a really cute little bookstore, cafe, and an old house and where we've stopped a couple of times before. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's really adorable. Uh, and then I'm going to hike and look at leaves and think about Books. I guess, you know, your shopping at Oblong really does illustrate why we call the show All the Books. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do need all of them. Yes, I, I absolutely do. I was just thinking about cleaning out my closet um, in my office, like putting more books in it because I've run out of space in the office. But I'm like, then I'll have to take the door off because I won't be able to see them. <laughs> <laughs> Are there currently books in the oven? No, no books in the oven. Not at this place because my boyfriend uses the oven. At my ah. last place because I didn't cook. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fine. <laughs> I remember the first time I came to visit you and being like, do people actually keep books in their ovens? Or like, is that just a thing that Liberty jokes about? And it was real. Yeah, well, it was more storage space. Right. You know, it's really important. Uh, before we get going, we got to say we're only a couple weeks away now from doing Woo-hoo! this live because at Book Riot Live, we're going to have live recordings of all of our podcasts. We're going to have a bunch of panels with really incredible authors, including Margaret Atwood and N.K. Jemison and Beverly Jenkins and Greg Pack and Lori Hulse Anderson and Sarah McLean and Jason Reynolds and Daniel Jose Older and so, so many others. It's going to be two days of book nerd bonanza fun. There will be things to learn. There will be silly things to do. There's going to be book nerd jeopardy we're having fancy cocktail parties in the rear book room at the strand and on and on and on so go to bookriotlive.com to see all the information to check out the roster of speakers and use the code more cats m-o-r-e-c-a-t-s all one word to save 20 bucks on your registration for two days we also have one day passes available now if you just want to come on saturday or sunday those are 89 dollars a day um, but your 20 dollars registration more cats uh, discount code is only good for the two days so we hope Hope you'll come hang out with us on November 7th and 8th in New York City at our very first ever Book Riot Live. And the code again is more cats to save 20 bucks on your registration. We hope to see you there. It's going to be great. I can't believe it's so soon. 
I know it's going to be so much fun. I, I last week after we joked that we were going to have a two headed Snuggie for our show, I went Googling and it actually exists. <laughs> Yeah, so, that would be way too hot, though. I know. I think it's going to be, you know, comfortable in the um, in the convention center. But if it happens to get cold, we might have to resort to a two headed snuggie because those are real. <laughs> Probably slip off our chairs. <laughs> right. And then they um, both broke their ankles. Awesome. <laughs> hey, before we dive in, you want to just do our first sponsor and then we'll have that checked off the list. I could do that. She says now that she doesn't have that screen open because she... <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Yes. yes! Oh, okay. Today's first sponsor is the film Room, which mm. just, oh my goodness, it's based on the amazing book by Emma Donahue, and you might as well just break your heart now and get it over with before you go to see the film because, oh, it looks amazing, and it's I know it's just going to make me cry and cry. It's going to be so wonderful. Um, if you're not familiar with the story of Room... It is both highly suspenseful and deeply emotional. Room is a unique and touching exploration of the boundless love between a mother and her child. After five-year-old Jack and his ma escape from the enclosed surroundings that Jack has known his entire life, the boy makes a thrilling discovery, the outside world. As he experiences all the joy, excitement, and fear that this new adventure brings, he holds tight to the one thing that matters most of all, his special bond with his loving and devoted ma. See? Just, mm-hmm, I can cry I just reading about it. Room opens on Friday, October 16th in New York City and Los Angeles and nationwide on Friday, November 6th. So if you're coming to Book Riot Live on November 7th and 8th, you could go see it, the movie on the evening of the 6th and kick off your bookish weekend. I was excited to see that she's written the script for this, too. Yes. Yeah. Our coworkers, Jen and Jan, our sales director, went to see a screening of it a month ago or so. And they came back and told us about how like that had been their first big bonding moment because they both just cried buckets of tear- <laughs> tears oh. together. Um, and then uh, Emma Donahue, the author and who wrote the screenplay, um, Jen got to interview her for the site. And so that's on Book Riot uh, right now. I think it ran last week. And my favorite part was that she asked Emma Donahue which Hogwarts house she would have been. <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> of course she did <laughs> i'm i am both looking forward to and deeply afraid of this movie <laughs> yes i know i mean if the book makes you cry right just forget it uh, and it was so great. huge you know i think this would also be a good fall outing with your book club i i know my book club read room like when i was actually succeeding and being in a book club several years ago and um so so many people read it so many book clubs read the book if your book club hasn't read it definitely do that now and then you can all go see the movie together but uh, thanks to room for sponsoring this week yes thank you all right take it away lib okay I realized that all of my books are kind of action ad- action adventure this week. Cool. Um, that's my theme. I'm going to just lay it out now because later I'll forget. Uh, but my first book is so good, so good. <laughs> it's Lafayette in the Somewhat United States by Sarah Vowell. Yeah, yeah. Yay, Sarah Vowell. Um, I think if the recent popularity of the musical Hamilton has shown us anything, it is that people dig learning about history in non-traditional ways. Yes. Um, there is nothing non-traditional about reading a book. But Sarah Val tells history in such a way that it's fun, and she's super funny, and she throws in these little stories about her own life, and it's sometimes irreverent, and it's so much more interesting than how you learned it in school. Not to mention that what we learned in school was so censored and dull, like, we probably actually know very little of what really happened in history. Um, Lafayette. Lafayette is about General Lafayette, a French marquis who came to America to help the Patriots fight the British in the American Revolutionary War. Uh, Spoiler, America won. 
in case anybody <laughs> missed that. Uh, it made Lafayette one of the most beloved figures in American history. Uh, Val says that, in fact, that their love of Lafayette was pretty much the only thing an ironically named United States could agree on. Um, <laughs> when Lafayette came back to the United States to mark the 50th anniversary of the war, he attended a party thrown in his honor every night for over a year. Whoa, that's so tiring. That, I know. I was like, seriously, dude? That's a lot of parties. Maybe but, they put him through the multiplicity clone machine. Yeah. Also, they didn't have jello shots then, so maybe it wasn't as bad. <laughs> um, so it's just all about Lafayette and, you know, the story of the American Revolution. Like, you have the French, who really hate the British because the British just beat them a bunch of times. You know, then they have the British, who are out of money, so they're taxing the Americans, who are like, we don't want to pay this, so now we're going to fight. Um, and then the king of France decided to secretly support the patriots, and he had this really great plan. He's like, who could come up with a really good way to secretly fund the patriots without letting the British know that we're doing this? He's like, an author! Somebody who writes stories for a living! And you got the guy who wrote The Barber of Seville, which was, like, one of the most yeah. popular plays at the time, to come up with this elaborate scheme to, like, make a fake company and send all this <laughs> money and all these supplies over to the States. It was really awesome. Um, eventually the British did catch on. Uh, but Lafayette returned to France a hero. He wrote the French Declaration. He, he became very close with uh, Thomas Jefferson, and he wrote the French Declaration, helped write it, um, based on our declaration, which was like, all men are created equal, which, of course, they didn't really hold up their end of that. Lots of people lost their heads, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's so interesting, and she visits a lot of these places. Um, it's It's just really great. The thing that strikes me whenever I read books like this are two things, death and the postal service. <laughs> like, people are just like, they don't live very long. So it's like, you know, when you're reading this book, they're like, well, this person was going to do this, but then they died. And then this person was going to do but then they died. And then you also have the mail. I'm completely fascinated by the mail. It's the thing I focus on most, like, when I'm reading about the Civil War. It's like, I'm going to send you this really important thing, and you're going to receive it halfway around the world. Like, I can't even get my Netflix DVDs. How are these people sending these things that go for, like, months on boats and... It's just crazy to me. So that is my other weird fixation. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling about that. If you know a crazy that. book about the Postal Service, please send it to Liberty now. I do. I do have a really cool one called Abraham Lincoln's T-Mails. But anyway. Of course you um, do. <laughs> so I'll stop raving about that. But Sarah Val, if you've not read her, you this is a great place to start. Any place is a great place to start with her. She's hilarious. And this is Lafayette in the Somewhat United States by Sarah Val. Awesome. I have kind of a segue from the portion of that pitch where you were talking about an author with a scheme. <laughs> uh, so my first pick this week and one of the books I've been most excited about this year is The Mark and the Void by Paul Murray. Um, several weeks back, we did a segment about our favorite campus books, and I talked about Paul Murray's previous novel, Skippy Dies. Um, I just really love Paul Murray, and I've been so excited. It's been five years since his last book, um, since Skippy Dies came too out. Long. And so I know way too long, but worth it. Totally yes. worth it the weight. Uh, the Mark and the Void is about an investment banker named Claude. He's a Frenchman who is living and working in a really fancy investment bank in Dublin. And Claude realizes that he's being followed by a man dressed in all black who like turns up and just observes him all over the place. You know, he looks out his office window and there's the man. He looks up at lunch and there's the guy across the restaurant. And finally, they have an encounter with each other where it turns out that the man following him is a writer. And the writer is named Paul. And Paul claims to be researching a novel about 
about a banker. Um, he wants to tell a story about the everyman, and he thinks that, you know, in 2015, the everyman is somebody who, uh, you know, goes to an office, who does something that's basically invisible, like investment banks, you know, everything is sort of imaginary. There's not actual like piles of cash being traded from hand to hand. It's all very theoretical and conceptual. And, uh, ethereal and schemy. And so that's what Paul thinks of modern life, especially after um, all the bank crashes and the real estate crashes that have happened and all the major banks that failed in uh, 2008 and 2009. So he's going to follow Claude around and understand what Claude's life is like in order to write an everyman banker character for his novel. But it turns out that that's actually a cover story. And what Paul wants is to rob the bank. Um, Claude is the mark. He's going to be the fall guy. That plan fails, uh, but eventually they they continue to work together um, on a bunch of absurd and like increasingly absurd schemes to try to get Paul um, back into writing to have a job again and to figure out what's going on with who owns the bank that Claude works for. Um, these like you know crazy acquisitions are happening. Claude is writing reports about banks that are failing that the government should definitely not bail out, but somehow the reports keep getting rewritten to say that these banks are too big to fail, that definitely they should be bailed out, that everything is going to be fine. Um, they get, you know, very confusing memos from the president of the company, encouraging them to think counterintuitively. And it's like the more ridiculous the thing is that you do, the higher the praise that you get is. There's all this commentary on modern banking, on modern life, on how much of modern life is built on these institutions that nobody really understands or knows what they're doing. Um, and there's also really excellent commentary about writing and publishing, which I think is hilarious. Like, normally, the thing that I want to read least in life is a novel about a novelist. There's so much navel gazing. Um, but I think because Claude is the voice of the Mark and the Void, and he's telling us about Paul, the writer, and how Paul's life is in shambles, and what he sees as he gets glimpses into the writing life and the publishing life, we get sort of an outside perspective. It's really funny. Um, I think it's going to be really funny even to people who don't work in writing and publishing. But there's a joke about like, how there are already enough books in the world and complaining that no one wants to read yours is like standing on a street corner with your business hanging out um, for half an hour and then, you know, being upset that no one stopped to perform a, an act on you. <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> he's just like Paul Murray sees the ridiculousness in publishing. He sees the absurd uh, in so much of life. And we get to see that applied to to banking, to family life, to publishing and to sort of the, like the major institutions that prop up society, even when perhaps they shouldn't. It's so, so funny and surprising. I just really, really loved it. Um, Paul Murray was highly anticipated for me and did not disappoint. And that is The Mark and the Void. I love him. I, I love him, him too. And I hope that he forgives me for botching that uh, explicit passage. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you when Skippy Dies came out, I was so excited to get a signed copy. Um, he was going to be reading at Word in Brooklyn. So I called them and asked them to, to have one set aside for me. And they're like, what do you want him to make it out to? And I said, oh, I don't care. You guys pick, whatever. So I got a copy of Skippy Dies in the mail that was made out to Lady McSexy Pants. <laughs> And I just know that someday I'm going to be at some author event or something, and he's going to be there, and I'll be like, Paul, I'm Lady McSexy Pants. <laughs> and he's going to be like, security, <laughs> security, please. <laughs> but, yeah, I was like, good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, if you leave the door open, Liberty. Yeah, I did. I did. And they did not, they did not disappoint. I think that on the next show, you should have to introduce yourself as Lady McSexyPants. <laughs> oh, goodness. But then I get confused about my night job. Anyway, so my next pick is called Wolf by Wolf by Ryan Groudon. I hope I say, I'm saying her name correctly. I could be saying it wrong. Um, this is the exact opposite of my last pick. This is a reimagining of history. It's a reimagining of World War II in which Hitler wins the war. Spoiler, he didn't, in case any of you missed that. Uh, the book starts during World War II. There's a young girl named Yael who is brought to one of the concentration camps when she is six. While she is there, she catches the eye of the camp doctor and becomes his favorite, which is horrible because she is subjected to awful experiments. Now, fast forward 12 years, Hitler has conquered Europe and joined forces with Japan to rule over Asia and Africa as well. The U.S. has agreed to not interfere in this. So it's been just been going on like this for over a decade, and Hitler is trying to make the world into one large Aryan race. Um, Yael is part of a resistance movement. She is a trained killer. She can speak several languages. She's a spy. She does all this amazing stuff. Uh, she also, thanks to the experiments that were performed on her, has the ability to shapeshift. Ooh. She can change her appearance. Um, so she decides there's this giant race. Hitler is like, I've won everything, so I just like to sit back and do nothing. But he comes out of hiding uh, once a year for this race. It's this motorcycle race around several continents. Um, and the year before, a woman disguised as a man won the race. And so this year, Yael is going to disguise herself as that woman and take her place. And then at the end, when she meets Hitler, she plans to kill him. Um, complicating this fact is that uh, the woman who won the race, Idel, her twin brother and her former boyfriend decide to tag along for the race this time. So she has to, you know, work really hard to keep up the, the disguise to make them believe that she really is who she says she is. Um, and, you know, will she be able to win the race? You have to win the race first, too. There's that part. Um, so I just thought this, it's like Inglorious Bastards for teens. Ooh. But it's like for adults, too. I thought it was really great. I read her last book, which was called The Walled City, and I really loved it. So it was a no-brainer to pick up this one. Um, it was really fun and really inventive. So, again, that is called Wolf by Wolf by Ryan Groudon. You totally had me at Inglorious Bastards for teens. Yeah, it's really That's great. Uh, so my next pick is called You Don't Have to Like Me, Essays on Growing Up, Speaking Out, and Finding Feminism by Alita Nugent. This was great. Uh, Nugent writes about overcoming the cool girl temptations. She writes about how when she was a younger woman, um, she wanted to be, you know, cooler than the other women. She wanted to be one of the guys. She wanted to hang out and like drink beer and eat hot dogs and have guys think that she was awesome. And she fell into that trap that so many of us um, fell into when we were younger and that, you know, young women continue to fall into of thinking that the reason that they don't have a lot of female friends is that like women are just catty and they are not like other girls they're different than other girls um and how damaging that is to women as individuals and to uh, the overall you know group of women in society and she writes about finding her identity as a feminist about how it helped her to understand her identity as a biracial woman how can you be white and not white um, in this culture uh, in America in particular there are pieces about you know weird body stuff there's a piece about her eating disorder which is just really honest and painfully candid she writes about friendship 
She writes about work and ambition and perfectionism and family. She writes about safety. She writes about rape and uh, what it is to be a woman and have to think about your safety all the time. And she writes about what it's like to talk about feminism in social settings and how sometimes you drop that word in a group of people that you think are cool and then it doesn't go over very well and how you just have to be willing if you're a feminist today to have people not like you because of it. And so that's where the title, You Don't Have to Like Me, comes from. Um, Nugent, I think, is a really excellent example of a millennial woman taking her experiences, writing about feminism in a way that's honest, it's funny, it's encouraging, it's really frank, it's relatable. Um, she's younger than me. You know, some of her perspectives and her examples and like pop culture references are younger than the ones that I'm going to get or that I would default to as a 33-year-old woman. Um, I wish that this book or books like this had existed when I was in my early and mid-20s and really figuring out what feminism meant to me. So I'm really happy for younger women today that this book exists. And I think no matter what age you are, if you're just coming to feminism, there's something that will encourage you and spark a new thought um, about what it is to be a feminist, why we need feminism. Um, and it would also be great for men who are, you know, who want to be allies to women to read about what women's experiences are like and what what feminists need from their male allies in the world today. So that's You Don't Have to Like Me, Essays on Growing Up, Speaking Out and Finding Feminism. And it's by Alita Nugent. I have no segue. <laughs> that's all right. But I have more history. Woohoo! My next pick is called Speed Kings, the 1932 Winter Olympics and the Fastest Men in the World by Andy Bull. Uh, this one is a, another true story. It's about the American all werewolf bobsledding team of 1932. Um, okay, not really. They weren't really werewolves. I like. <laughs> you were totally just, with me, weren't you? <laughs> I spaced for just a second and my brain caught up to like werewolf bobsledding team, and then I was like, wait, what? No, there was bobsledding, but no werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) This book centers around the four men who raced in the 1932 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, which was the first time that the Winter Olympics was held in the U.S. Um, In case you're only a point of reference about bobsledding is the movie Cool Runnings, I'll just tell you that bobsledding is a crazy dangerous sport. It was even more crazy and dangerous back then. Um, It required men who were crazy themselves and had great courage and great character. And they found those four men... In Jay O'Brien, a high society playboy, Tippy Gray, a Hollywood songwriter who left the town because of a scandal, Eddie Egan. What a great a, name. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole other backstory about how he might not have really been the guy that did it. But anyway, getting sidetracked. <laughs> Eddie Egan uh, was a world champion heavyweight boxer. And the youngest member was Billy Fisk, who was the bravest and naturally assumed the role of leader. So they not only had to compete with these other athletes including uh, the German athletes who they would later face in the war. Um, But they had to contend with corrupt game officials and the Lake Placid locals who weren't all that keen on them. Uh, It's just really this triumph story. Uh, You know, you root for the underdog. It's full of fascinating bits of history, um, like this one, which I'm going to tell you. And it's not anything that I'm I'm not giving anything away. It's on the back of the book. But I just thought it was so interesting. Um, Many years later, after the Olympics, Billy, who was the team leader that I mentioned, uh, he was an adventure seeker to the end, and he talked his way into the Royal Air Force, despite them having a Brits-only policy. He Whoa. managed to convince them to take him on. Uh, this was in uh, 1940, before the U.S. had joined World War II. Uh, and he fought in the Battle of Britain and subsequently became the first U.S. fighter pilot killed in World War II. Uh, just, like, just hmm. these very small world stories, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. It's so crazy. But it's so fascinating, you know, if you like 
you know, like Unbroken and Boys in the Boat and, you know, Sea Biscuit. Werewolves. Werewolves. Um, it's really, it's, it's a really great book. So again, it's called Speed Kings, the 1932 Winter Olympics and the Fastest Men in the World by Andy Bull. Great. Uh, before we get to the last parts of the show, we have our final sponsor this week. FabFitFun is back. If you've been listening, you know that FabFitFun is a subscription box with premium full-size, full-size friends, fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. This is not just like a quarter of an ounce of moisturizer. You're going to get the whole tube. Uh, the box comes out once each season. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. I can vouch for this because they sent me one, and it was great. I I felt like I had opened up like a Mary Poppins bottomless bag of things as I was opening. I was like, there's an umbrella and there are face masks. And there's this awesome gloss that's a like lip primer gloss that you put on before you put on your actual lip gloss. And it kept my red lipstick from getting all over my face at a wedding this weekend. And for that, I am very grateful. Uh, you can subscribe at fabfitfun.com and use the coupon code all the books to save $10 off your first box. Past boxes have included things like lip gloss, like I mentioned, nail wraps, uh, Headspace, a discount code for Headspace, which is a meditation app that I've also used, which is really great. Um, a Bluetooth speaker, a Pilates DVD, a Zumba DVD, Moroccan hair oil. Um, this fall box, which is available now, has stuff in it like uh, like the Gold Radiance facial mask. I think I talked about it last week and how nice it was to use after I was traveling and really my skin just needed some love. The fall box also supports the Purple Purse Cherry which um, supports victims of domestic violence and abuse. And so there's that charitable angle to what they're doing as well at FabFitFun. Uh, I don't want to spoil any more of the contents because, you know, most of the delight of getting a subscription box is having it be a surprise and getting to discover for yourself what's in there. But there are great products in the FabFitFun box. Again, they are full-size fashion and beauty products. There's fitness, there's lifestyle as well. And this is really about feeling and looking your best, not about about defining what beauty is, but about giving women products that help us to, you know, really feel like we're living our best lives. Uh, so you can go to FabFitFun again, uh, FabFitFun.com to subscribe. Use the code all the books to save $10 off your first box. And thanks to them for sponsoring the show again. If you do get the box and you like it, please tell us on Twitter, hit us up, um, tag Book Riot or tag me or Liberty so that we know and we can uh, give them and use some shouts for it. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to stick with my feminism theme, I guess, for the rest of the show. That's um, all right. My, yeah, okay, good. Uh, my next pick is the paperback release of The Birth of the Pill by Jonathan Eig. Uh, the subtitle is How Four Crusaders Reinvented Sex and Launched a Revolution. Uh, I read this last year. I really, really loved it. Uh, it's about Margaret Sanger, whose name, if you you know read feminist history, you know she was one of the very first crusaders uh, for reproductive freedom in the U.S. Um, a woman named Catherine McCormick, who was very wealthy um, via her husband. She was the one who funded the research into the birth control pill, a scientist named Gregory Pincus, who became obsessed with figuring out a pill that could stop ovulation. And then a doctor named John Rock, who was also a prominent Catholic, um, and his work, um, sort of his political work going between the science community and the church, and uh, really working to get birth control made legal and to get women access to birth control, regardless of whether they were married or not, regardless of whether their husbands signed off on it, or not was, uh, was really crucial to 
the revolution of birth control becoming available in the United States. Um, and it's, you know, a look into the lives of these four people, Margaret Sanger, Catherine McCormick, Gregory Pincus, and John Rock, and about the work that they did together. It spans decades of scientific struggle and discovery, you know, thinking something was going to work, then finding out it had a bunch of side effects, thinking it was going to work, and then just finding out that it didn't work. And then finally, when they landed on the right answer, um, all of that scientific work had to be done in tandem with real political and social work to change people's attitudes about the acceptability of birth control, about whether it was a sin to use it or not, about whether women really should have a right um, to make decisions about if and when to have babies, and then about the social consequences and the um, outcomes of that, that meant women had more freedom, we could make more choices, we could be out in the world and choose to have careers in addition to children or careers instead of children. Um, really a, a huge, the invention of the birth control pill was perhaps unparalleled uh, in the 20th century for how it changed American society. And all of the pieces that had to move and the battles that had to be fought for that option to become available uh, are just incredible when you see them put out on the board together. Um, and Jonathan Eig does a really fascinating and wonderful job of telling the story. It's, it's compelling. It was really fun to read. He brings those four people fully to life um, and lays out, you know, all that they went through and all, you know, sort of the rewards that we've reaped for their hard work. And so that is The Birth of the Pill by Jonathan Eig, E-I-G. Again, no segue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, I got nothing. Uh, it's a book. Does that count? Yeah. My next pick is also a book. That's why we're here. <laughs> it's called Departure by A.G. Riddle. Um, this book is in no way real. Like, not like my last ones. There's nothing real about any of this. But it is action-packed. Uh, it's the equivalent, basically, of a summer blockbuster. It's, like, really fun. Lots of action, some overwrought emotion, a conspiracy theory, and a bunch of other things that I don't want to tell you because it will spoil the book. Which is why I saved it for last, because I knew we'd be close to the end, and then I couldn't talk very long and inadvertently give something away. Um, Departure is about a group of people on a flight from New York City to London that there's an explosion, they crash, they think they know where they are, um, about half the passengers live, but then they realize that so no one's coming to save them. Mm. Like, they're like, oh, we're, we're in England, and we've landed in the forest, and they're going to come and get us. But as time goes by, no one's coming for them. Then they don't understand why that happened. Um, and then some other weird things start to happen. There are five passengers leading the way who have sort of stepped in and taken charge of the situation. There's a writer, a venture capitalist, a doctor, a computer scientist, and a billionaire philanthropist son who don't seem to have anything to do with one another, but who knows? Um, so as they notice these weird things happening, they're happening both to the passengers and in the surrounding area that indicates that they really have no idea what just happened to them. Um, this is, yes, a similar plot line to Lost, you know, the television show, mm -hmm. which I have not watched, but even I know, you know, plane crash, landing, whatever. But there are lots of differences. Um, and if people could only write a story and then never use it again, we would have run out of stories like a thousand years ago. Like yeah, that's true. It's like, if Shakespeare could only write about doomed romances, then we'd have no Great Gatsby or Time Traveler's Wife or Pat the Bunny. So, I mean, you have to recycle these stories. Um, it's just really fun and inventive, and it is perfect for a cold fall night, which all the nights here are now. It's freezing here. Did I mention that part? So cold. Anyway, it's really great. It's called Departure by A.G. Riddle. Awesome. My parents are watching Lost right now on Netflix for the first time, and I'm really enjoying getting updates of like, we're in the middle of season three and we don't know what's going on. And I'm like, you're doing it right. You are doing it right. <laughs> That's funny. I'll have to send them Departure when they finish watching the show and they need a fix. Uh, and my a polar final... bear. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> That's it's instead of Pat the Bunny, you can have Pat the Mysterious Polar Bear. Yes. Uh, so my final pick this week is a backlist bump, uh, thinking about You Don't Have to Like Me and Alita Nugent and Essays on Feminism reminded me of this collection of essays I read several years back called Click When We Knew We Were Feminists. It was edited by J. Courtney Sullivan, who wrote Maine and The Engagements. She's a great novelist as well. And Courtney E. Martin. And the setup is really simple. A bunch of different women write about the moments and experiences that led to them being feminists, either to realizing that they were feminists or to their becoming feminists. Um, some were raised with feminist values. Some came to it pragmatically. You know, they learned about what feminism stood for. They realized it made a lot of sense and they, you know, began working for feminism and others came to feminism. Others came to feminism after a difficult experience that brought them face to face with uh, what women's lives are like and what it means to be a woman and to not have the privileges and the entitlement that men get uh, in America today. And so there's a huge variety there. Some of these pieces are political. Some of them are funny. Some of them are, um, you know, both. Um, it's it's very possible to be both. Um, I thought it was great. It's another book that I wish that I had had as a younger feminist. I'm thinking about what it means, thinking about it doesn't mean, you know, hating men and wanting more. It means wanting equality and working together with men to achieve that. Um, so that's called Click When We Knew We Were Feminists. All right. And that's my last pick. So what are you going to read now? I'm going to read the collected fiction of Lena Crone which is a book coming out in December, being published by Jeff and Ann Vandermeer, um, who are amazing people. Uh, apparently, I had never heard of her before, but it says here that she is one of Finland's most iconic writers, has been translated into many languages, and was winner of the prestigious Finlandia Prize. Um, it's 840 pages long. Whoa, baby. <laughs> but it says it's for readers of Ursula K. Le Guin, Milan Kundera, Virginia Woolf, Tove Jansen, and Italo Calvino. So, I mean... It's made for you. Yeah, it's made for everyone. Like, who could miss with that? Um, so that's that's my big, exciting book. What are you going to read? I have a pile of comics that I'm going to read. I've been just like all the travel and the backed up reading selections. I just need to, you know, have a palate cleanser and jumpstart my brain. And so I have a bunch. I think I have the first 10 issues of Gotham Academy to catch up on. And I have the first issue of Survivor's Club, which is a new comic from DC Vertigo that's written by Lauren Bukas, uh, who wrote Broken Monsters and... Uh, that other book about the time traveling serial killer. Um, so the bunny. Really, yeah, obviously. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, you know, having some time with some comics just to catch up and then we'll see, we'll see what I'm reading for next week. So that is our show. Thank you to room the movie for sponsoring. We'll have a link to that information in the show notes. And again, thanks to fab fit fun. You can go to fabfitfun.com and use the discount code, all the books to save $10 on your first box. And of course, if you're going to come hang out with us at book riot live in New York city on November 7th and 8th, which you absolutely should use the code more cats, M O R E C A T S all one word to save $20 on your registration. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you have a moment, if you like the show, to rate and review it on iTunes, helps other listeners who love the books too to find us. And of course, lets us know how we're doing. So we appreciate that all the way around. Yes, thank you so much to everybody. Everyone is so nice. It's great. Yeah, the reviews are really wonderful and we appreciate that. Yes. 
that's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and learn more about new releases out today and next week and the week after that, Infinity. Forever. We're just going to sit here on Skype talking about books until the end of time. Yes. Sounds One perfect. could do worse. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. All right, Liberty. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.